Are you familiar with the Dear Abby advice column? Dear Abby has a over 110 million leader readership. It's founder Pauline Phillips, who started writing her common sense counseling in newspapers in 1956. She used a pen name Abigail. Because Abigail is a biblical character known for wisdom and courage. Today, we will meet Abigail in the story of David. Our fifth story on the king in the wilderness will show us how to deal with a fool. As you will see, the first question that dear Abby had to answer in her life was how to handle a fool. Now, have you seen a fool? That's a rhetorical question. We see them all the time, especially on TV news. Uh, Erasmus once said, fools are without numbers. Fools are without numbers. There are so many fools in the world that we cannot count them. And definitely we cannot avoid them. Yes, we have to deal with the fools. Now, dealing with the fool is not just common, but much more critical. Because if you fail to deal with the fool, guess what? We ourselves become a fool or foolish in part. That's the danger and difficulty of dealing with the fool. Today, we will see David encountering a fool and almost becoming another fool himself. But by God's grace, he did not become a fool, but he actually became wise. It is my prayer that we become wise and faithful in our study of dealing with the fool today. Just as a pandemic challenges our faith, may the Holy Spirit refine us, you and me. So now let's, re now let's read our main story, 1 Samuel chapter 25, verse 14 to 35. This is a little long. I want us to read responsibly. I want brothers to read even number verses and sisters to read uh, odd number verses. So unmute yourself and let's read together. Okay, are you ready? Brothers, one, two, three, we go. One of the servants told Abigail, Nabal's wife, David sent messengers from wilderness to give our masters a greeting, but he hurled insults at them. Yet these men were very good to us. They did not mistreat us. And the whole time we were out in the field near them, nothing was missing. Night and day they were a wall around us. The whole time we were herding our sheep near them. Sisters, the now think it over them because the disaster is hanging over our master and his whole household. He is such a wicked man, no one can talk to him. Abigail acted quickly. She took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five dressed of sheep, five shears of roasted grain, a hundred cakes of raisins, and 200 cakes of pressed figs, and loaded them on donkeys. Then she told her servant, go on ahead, I'll follow you. But she will not tell her husband's neighbor. As she came, riding her donkey into a mountain ravine, there were David and his men descending toward her, and she met them. David had just said, it has been useless 
all my watching over this fellow's property in the wilderness, so that nothing of his, his was missing. He has paid me back evil for good. May God deal with David, be it ever so severely. If by morning I live alive, one male of all who belong to him. When Abigail saw David, she quickly got off the donkey and bowed down before David with her face to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, Pardon your servant, my Lord. Let me speak to you. Hear what your servant has to say. Please pay no attention, my Lord, to that wicked man, Nabal. He is just like his name. His name means fool, and folly goes with him. As for me, your servant, I did not see the man my Lord sent. And now, my Lord, as surely as the Lord your God lives, and as you live, since the Lord has kept you from bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hands. May your enemies and all who intend on harming my Lord be like Nabal. And let this gift, which your servant has brought to my Lord, be given to the men who follow you. Please forgive your servant's presumption. The Lord your God will certainly make a lasting dynasty for my Lord because you fight the Lord's battles, and no wrongdoing will be found in you as long as you live. Even though someone is pursuing you to take your life, the life of my Lord will be found securely in the bundle of the living of the Lord your God, but the lives of your enemies he will hurl away as from the pockets of a sling. When the Lord has fulfilled for my Lord every good thing, he promised concerning him, has appointed him ruler over Israel. My Lord will not have on his conscience the staggering burden of a needless bloodshed or having avenged himself. And when the Lord your God has brought my Lord's success, remember your servant. David said to Abigail, Praise be to the Lord God of Israel, who has sent you today to meet me. May you be blessed for your good judgment and then for keeping me from bloodshed this day, from avenging myself with my own hands. Otherwise, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, who has kept me from harming you, if you had not come quickly to meet me, no one male belong to Nabal would have left alive by daybreak. Then David accepted from her hand what she had brought him and said, Go home in peace. I have heard your word and granted your request. Now, today's episode in David's life brings two new characters, Nabal and Abigail. The oddest couple you can find in the Bible. They were polar, a polar opposite of each other. And of course, David. In the interactions of these three characters, we see important lessons about one, danger of a foolishness. Danger of a foolishness. Two, discernment of the wise. Discernment of a wise. 
and three, the divine deliverance and blessings. That's the three points that we're going to look at today. First, danger of a foolishness. First, let me introduce a Naba. Let me read uh, uh, chapter 25, verse 2 to 13. A certain man named, a certain man in Maon, who had a property there at Carmel, was very wealthy. He had a thousand goat and three thousand sheep, which, uh, which he was shearing in Carmel. His name was Nabal, and his wife's name was Abigail. She was an intelligent and beautiful woman, but her husband was surly and mean in stealings. He was a Calebite. Nabal was a filthy rich man in southern Judah. The Bible tells us the three things about Nabal. First, he was a very wealthy. And second, his name means fool. And obviously, that's not his real name. No parent named their child fool. This must be his nickname. Or definitely, his reputation. And according to later verse 25, Abigail said, He's just like his name. His name means fool, and folly goes with him. So, look at me. Nabal was wealthy and wicked. And then third, we learned that he had a wonderful wife named Abigail. Abigail in Hebrew means father is joyous or joyful. It's a two-word combined. Abi means father, Gael means joy. Joy of a father. Why she, why she was called the joy of a father? Look at her. Verse 3 said that she was intelligent and beautiful. Definitely her beauty is more than a skin deep. She was a woman of solid characters and good judgment and recognized virtues. As we saw earlier in the story that our servant trusted her and that many obeyed her. Now, notice this. Nabal was blessed with a wealth and wonderful wife, yet he was a wicked. He was a blessed, yet he was full. What does that tell us? You and I, we can be blessed as a children of God, but at the same time, we can be full. God's blessings did not prevent Nabal from becoming a fool or being a fool. How about us? Are we Nabal? I've seen Christian Nabals in churches. Yes, sometimes my wife called me fool, and definitely after today's story, she will call me Nabal. And uh, now, in this study, I want us to discover Nabal in each one of us. Yes, we have a Nabal in each one of us, and let's do, do away with that Nabal. So let me continue with the story. Verse 4. While David was in the wilderness, he heard that Nabal was a sharing ship. So he sent ten young men and said to them, Go up to Nabal at Carmel and greet him in my name. Say to him, Long, li long life to you, good health to you and your household, and good health to all that is yours. Now I hear this is sh a ship shearing time. When your shepherds were with us, we did not mistreat them. And the whole time they were at Carmel, nothing of theirs was missing. Ask your own servant, and they will, tell, they will tell you. And therefore be favorable toward my men. Since we come at a festive time, please give your servant and your son, David, whatever you can find them. What David was asking 
was not like a mafia or local gang extorting or demanding some money from local business owners. It was sheep shearing time. Sheep shearing time. According to verse 8, it was a festive time. Sheep shearing time was like a harvest time for shepherds. It's their payday. They have plenty food to go around. So what David was asking today was like somebody asking candies during the Halloween. And notice also verse 8, the David's deference. Since we come at the festive time, please give me your servant and your son. Your son, David, whatever you can find. David was not pressuring Nabal to pay up, but politely asking him to include including him and his men in their festivity. And according to Nabal's servant, we read earlier, David and his men, in fact, contributed to this successful sharing time. Now let's see how Nabal responds. Verse 9. When David's men arrived, they gave Nabal this message in David's name, and they waited. And verse 10. Nabal answered David's servant, Who is this David? Who is this son of Jesse? Many servants are breaking away from their masters these days. Why should I take my bread and water and the meat I have slaughtered for my shearers and give to the men coming from who knows where? Now, Nabal's words reminds us of a summon before. Look at me. Who is this David? That's what Saul said about David when David killed Goliath. And who is the son of Jesse? That's how the, souls, the son of Jesse was Saul's disparaging remarks to David. You know, today's story, we don't see Saul, but we see another Saul. We see miniature version of a Saul in Nabal. And like a Saul who paid a David, uh, David evil for David's good, once again, Nabal was paying the kindness of David and his men with a shameless insult and evil. And they, Nabal called David a runaway slave. Many servants are breaking away from their masters these days. Nabal was shaming David unfairly. He didn't run away. He, the master tried to kill him unfairly. Then he said, why should I share my bread, water, and meat with this stranger? In Hebrew text, actually, it said, My bread, my water, my meat, and my shoulders. My, 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 mine. That's a favorite word of a fool. Mine, mine, mine. Me, me, me. Rugged American individualism very close to biblical picture of a fool and his folly. You know, someone said, by the way, there are three kinds of people. First people said, whatever is mine is mine. Second group of people, whatever yours is mine. Third group of people said, whatever is mine is yours. Now, someone said the first man, first person is a capitalist. The second, that's a communist or socialist. And third is a Christian. Whatever is mine is God's. Now, Nabal's rude and selfish and offensive arrogance provoked David. Look at the verse 12. David's men turned around and went back to him. When they arrived, they reported every word. David said to his men, Each one of you 
strap on your sword. So they did. David strapped his sword on as well. And about 400 men went up with David while 200 stayed with the supplies. The Hebrew text actually say, the strap on your sword three times, revealing David's fury more than any other time. David was offended, hurt, furious beyond word. Later, we heard David swearing that our God will punish me. God will do something to me if I don't kill this wicked, evil guy. David was, oh, we can almost hear David's inner thought. That is, do the people think I am a wimp because I'm a fugitive? Did they forget that I killed Goliath? Do I have to show them who I am really? I will show you today. Now, let's call ourselves for a moment. And let's finish with a lesson about Nabal. What led Nabal to this dangerous position today? What is the picture of a fool that we see here in Nabal? Lack of gratitude? Lack of common sense? Lack of hospitality? I want us to remember this. More than his greed and selfishness, we must recognize Nabal had no one to listen to. Nabal has no one to listen to because he is not listening guy. No one would not tell him the truth because he, hey, he, no one can have an honest conversation with him. You know, verse 17 earlier, do you remember? The servant said to, you know, uh, Abigail that we are in disaster is hanging over our master and his whole household. He is such a wicked man and no one can talk to him. No one can talk to him. Even Abigail, uh, Abigail said, verse 19, that they, she told her servant to go ahead and follow, and she did not tell her husband, Nabal. Look at me. Nabal, no one can talk to him. Not even wise and wonderful wife could talk to him. Nabal was successful, wealthy, and happily married, yet he was not teachable. Unteachableness is the ultimate sign of a fool. No one wants to talk to him because he's not teachable, meaning not open, honest, not giving a benefit of doubt to other people or have a little bit of self-doubt. He might have gone to Cusco. Once again, he is a very successful guy. So, I, you know, in today's version, he might have gone to Cusco like a UPenn, you know, Wharton School of you know, Business. He might have run a successful business like an international, you know, well-known uh, hotel chains. He might have been celebrating in his town. He might marry a beautiful, intelligent wife, but he was not teachable. That's why Nabal was in danger of being destroyed mercilessly today. Actually, Nabal's unteachableness was a danger to others. He was endangering his own household. So question I have for all of us, are you teachable? Are you open to others' word and advice about your life? This is why our house church ministry is not an elective class, of, elective class uh, to us in God's school of life, but it's a required course. If you and I live in our own self-confined, self-confident, self-complacent, and self-comfortable life, away from the community of God, away from the honest talkers, 
and advises, you and I will be Nabal, and our fate, his fate will be our fate. So now, in this emotionally charged and potentially violent situation, entered Abigail, and her wisdom and words prevented a major disaster and massacre. And let us see the second point of today's study, the discernment of the wise. Here, Abigail talks David, and her words tranquil him. Before we look at her word carefully, we must recognize here, Abigail was between a foolish Nabal and furious David. She was facing a wounded warrior and his soldiers hungry for his honor. Once again, her chance of a survival was not with an untouchable guy, a fool, Nabal, but unknown to her, but potential, redeemable, that is a David. At this moment, David was seeing nothing but his revenge and the thirst for blood for his honor. Now, sometimes we are hurt. We are misunderstood. We are so verbally, sometimes we are verbally abused like David. What do we do? I hope you find the God's wisdom through Abigail's word. So let me read verse 25 to 31 carefully, one more time. Listen to this. I'm going to go fast on this verse. We already read. Please pay no attention, my Lord, to the wicked man Nabal. And verse 26. Now, my Lord, as surely as the Lord your God lives and as you live, the Lord has kept you from bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hands. May your enemies and all who are intent on harming my Lord be like a Nabal. Let this gift which your servants has brought to my Lord be given to the men who follow you. And verse 28, please forgive your servants' presumption. Lord your God will certainly make a lasting dynasty for my Lord because you fight the Lord's battle. You fight the Lord's battle and no wrongdoing will be found in you as long as you live. Even though someone is pursuing you to take your life, the life of my Lord will be, will be bound securely in the bundle of the living, living by the Lord your God, but the lives of your enemies he will hurl away as from the pocket of a sling. When the Lord has fulfilled for my Lord the every good things he promised concerning him and appointed him ruler over Israel, my Lord will not have on his conscience the staggering burden of a needless bloodshed or having avenged himself. Now, first, Abigail reminded David of God's saving grace in the past. Lord, my Lord, as surely as the Lord our God is lived, Lord has kept you from bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your hand. Abigail was telling David that God has been protecting you. God has been fighting for you, David. You are a special person to God. Even though someone pursuing, uh, someone pursuing you take your life, God protected you. And then the way that God protected you, she described that uh, God securely binds you in the bundle of a living, in bundle of the living. You know, the New Living Translation Say your life is safe 
in the care of the Lord your God, secure in his treasure pouch. Treasure pouch. You know what Abigail told David? You are in God's treasure pouch. And you are God's treasure. So David, don't tarnish yourself with a trash like a Nabal. That's what she's saying. You are God's treasure. Act like a God's treasure. Don't act like a trash like a Nabal. That's what Abigail was saying. Now, what does a God's treasure do? Let me, tell, let me tell you the most important lesson and truth of today's story. Yes, just listen. This is the most important. Verse 28, Abigail said this, Please forgive your servant's presumption. The Lord your God will certainly make a lasting dynasty for you, my Lord, because you fight the Lord's battle. And no wrongdoing will find in you as long as you will live. So this is what God's treasures do. God's treasures fight God's battles, not their battles. Abigail was telling David, David, don't use a God-given power and strength for your own cause, no matter how much it is justified. Don't spend God's talent for your own gratification, no matter how much you feel necessary. Leave your battle to the Lord and fight only God's battle. That's what God called you for. That's how God will establish your kingdom, your dynasty forever. Don't shed blood for avenging yourself for all your grievances, but shed blood only advancing God's kingdom. That's what Abigail was saying. And the Abigail's word here is not presumptuous, but actually prophetic and profound. You know, the difference between Saul and David was how they used God-given kingship and authority. Through Abigail, the Lord saved David from great danger, different from that in a cave, with a soul. You know, David, in, David, might take, David almost took the matter into his own hand and thus made himself in the master of his fate instead of letting it be guided by the Lord. So if David took the matter into his own hand, he's no different from Saul. Saul used God, God for his self-interest. David, Today, he had the same test and challenge and temptation to use God-given strength for his own ego and his own grievances. And Abigail was saying that, David, don't do this. Don't avenge yourself by yourself. Leave it to God. Some scholars call the Abigail's word here a proleptic prophecy. Some of you remember the word proleptic. Proleptic is revealing the end in the middle of something. We use that's the word to describe the resurrection of Jesus. Resurrection of Jesus revealed to us what will happen at the end of history in the middle of our history. So we know at the end of human life, there will be a resurrection of everyone before God and God will judge everyone. And Jesus' resurrection proved that. That's the word proleptic. Something bringing, something revealing earlier. And the Abigail is revealing something that at the end is earlier. Because her warning against the shedding innocent blood was actually very reason 
God did not allow David to build his temple. Do you know? Do you remember in the story that later David, when he became a king, he wanted to build the temple of God. He really wanted to do that. And according to 1 Chronicles 28, God said to David, you are not to build a house for my name because you are a warrior and you shed too much blood. That's what God said to David. So Abigail, he reminded David who he is and then says, keep, said to keep your hands from unnecessary violence and preparing you know, an important lesson that David needed in the future. And that's why Abigail is so, her advice is a discerning. It's a profound and prophetic. And same thing to us. What kind of battle are we fighting? You know, when you fight, we better fight the good fight. When you pick fight, fight the good fight, not the dirty fight, not the petty fight, not a, not a fight for your name, not for your own gratification, not for your own honor. Fight the fight for glory of God and His honor. Don't fight for yourself. When you leave your fight to God, God will fight for you. You fight for God. Now, how David respond to the words of a woman? Look at the verse 32. David said to Abigail, Praise be to the Lord, God of Israel, who has sent you today to meet me. May you be blessed for your good judgment and for keeping me from bloodshed this day and from avenging myself with my own hand. Verse 34. Otherwise, as surely as the Lord, God of Israel, lives, who has kept me from harming you? If you had not come quickly to meet me, no one, no one male belonging to Nabal would have left her lie by daybreak. And then David accepted from her hand what she has brought him and said, Go home in peace. I have heard your word and granted your request. David. David now recovered his calling and regained his posture as God's anointed king. He praised God for sending Abigail to stop him from bloodshedding and avenging himself with his own hand. Important point here. David listened to Abigail. David was a teachable. David was able to hear God through others. Difference between David and Naba was that David was willing to listen and he didn't listen. You know the difference between David and Saul? Again, David listened to God and Saul did not. Listening to others, listening to others, especially in the matters of a spiritual life, is a mark of a true spiritual maturity and wisdom. Do you listen to others for your life? Do you give others room to question yourself? If I apply this important lesson to our church, especially our house, house church ministry, would be this. You know, in a house church, we share uh, high and lows of a week, right? I wish sometimes, you know, you can ask that after you sharing and high and lows that, uh, hey, anyone wants to ask question? I think, you know, it's really helpful and healthy for everyone to scrutinize himself or herself by inviting others to ask any question about yourself, especially about what you shared. 
Isn't that what we do with the doctors every day? You know, every day, every year, you know, when we do physical, what do we do? We go doctors and they let them, you know, ask questions and they check our bodies and examine, you know, whatever our you know, possible body. Why don't you do the same examination for our soul? Now, let me see. Let's see the conclusion of today's story. That's a God's deliverance and blessings in verse 36 to 42. Now, let's read. When Abigail went to Nabal, he was in the house holding a banquet like that of king. He was in high spirit and was very drunk. So she told him nothing at all until daybreak. Then in the morning when Nabal was over, his wife told him all these things. And his heart failed him and he became like a stone. And about 10 days later, the Lord struck. Lord struck Nabal and he died. When David heard Nabal was dead, he said, Praise be to the Lord, who has upheld my cause against Nabal for treating me with a contempt. He has kept his servant from doing wrong and brought Nabal's wrongdoing down on his own head. Then David sent a word to Abigail, asking her to become his wife. His servant went to Carmel and said to Abigail, David has sent us to you, sent us to, you to take you to become his wife. She bowed down with her face to the ground and said, I am your servant, am ready to serve you and wash the feet of my Lord's servant. Abigail quickly got on a donkey and attended by her five female servants, went with the Davis messengers and became his wife. The final section demonstrated how God preserved and protected David who trusted in him. And he does much more than that. Here, God actually prosper David. Not only protects David, but prosper him. Again, God turns our negative into positive. Not only the death of Nabal confirms David's action and vindicates him, but also it clears a way for this remarkable woman, Abigail, to become David's wife. You know, her wisdom and strong character makes her a suitable helper and partner for David, the future king of Israel. And she was the virtuous woman, the virtuous woman in life of David who had married and who had known and who had many wives. Some Jewish scholars, they actually saw Abigail as an antithesis, opposite of Bathsheba. Because of Bathsheba, she led her husband to Uriah to death. Whereas Abigail saved her husband, even bad husband. And eventually, she served the true husband, David. The spiritual significance of David's marrying Abigail shouldn't be missed. Because if you look at the chapter 25, verse 1, today's story actually starts with the death of Saul. I mean, Samuel, verse 1. Now Samuel died, and all Israel assembled and mourned for him, and they buried him at his home in Ramah. Then David moved down into the desert of Paran. Who is Samuel? Since days of Moses and Joshua, nobody was more influential than Samuel. Samuel was the last judge, a priest, a prophet, 
and the kingmaker. Samuel was a doubly special to David since it was a Samuel who found David and anointed him to be the king of Israel. Thus, the death of Samuel was a very sad event to David. Especially now, David as a fugitive is more lonely and needs more spiritual counsel and comfort than ever before. And here, his pastor or spiritual mentor, Samuel, died. I bet David must have felt a void. I remember when I heard the news that my pastor, you guys remember the best pastor in the world that I tried to follow and emulate? When I heard the news that he died, it was not just the news. I felt a void in my heart. That's what David felt. And today, at the end of the today's story, what happened? God replaced Samuel with Abigail. Actually, Samuel couldn't help David much, but Abigail helped David a lot. Bible doesn't tell us how much, but we know this wise wife and woman definitely helped David on many occasions. And, you know, as you will see in the next chapter 26 next week, David learned so much since the uh, chapter 24 in the cave of Engedi. And, you know, David's speech near the end shows that he has discovered that patience and restraint are the path of the Yahweh's the best plan. And the Abigail's speech explained that taking long-term view is more beneficial than yielding to one's immediate impulses. So, in a way, today's text, the chapter 25 of 1 Samuel, it's, it gives us a glimpse of a David becoming an ideal king. David, here evolving from young exile leader, captain of a small bandit people, who could easily act impetuously out of fear and anger, now slowly becoming God's anointed, who is patient enough, faithful enough to wait God's timing. The encounter with the neighbor was it's a test case, and he was about to fail. And then Abigail came and helped him to trust God and take his time with God's time. David learned not to seek revenge or seize power with his own hand. But he learned to depend on God and God's timing. That's the lesson of 1 Samuel chapter 25. And here, as he learned from Abigail and from this conflict, later David used this lesson in the next chapter. So you have to come back next week to hear the ongoing story of this beautiful, growing David. Now, let me conclude. The theme of the today's story is that David's teachableness or teachability. Before David was confronted by Abigail, his mind was made up. He was determined to take a violent action. But after her persuasive, wise you know, counsel, he not only changes his mind, but he acknowledges God as a source of her instruction. And upon hearing the new instruction from God, 
David immediately changes his mind and takes a decisively different course of action from earlier planned one. That means David was a capable, capable of a correction. Correction. And this is a very important. Because one of the primary characteristics of the major characters in the Old Testament is that they are able to change. They are able to change after they encounter God. Starting with Abraham, his departure from his homeland, and Jacob at the Peniel, the wrestling in the God, Moses, you know, seeing the God at the burning bush, they all have a capacity for change. And that change, they let God to use them. Fools, do not listen, do not change. But wise, they do listen and they do change. So question I have for all of us is, am I a Nabal or am I a David? Do I listen to other people? Am I teachable? Am I changing my course of action? Or am I just insisting virtually my own way? Where am I in my spiritual journey in this pandemic? Do I remember my calling? Do I know who I am? Dear brothers and sisters, I want to remind you, we are God's treasures, and we are in the God's treasure pouch. We cannot live like a Naba. We don't fight our own battle. We don't use God's resources for our own gratification. We use ourselves for God's glorification, who loves us so much. I pray that you and I, Forrest, fight the good fight. We fight for God in this pandemic, through the house church, through the daily breath, daily devotion, making each other accountable, make, praying for each other, texting for each other, praying for each other, crying out for each other, calling for each other, from time to time visiting each other with a social distance. Let us fight the good fight. Amen. Let's pray.